Hi, welcome to the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. We're now on to episode 66 and taking a little break from the pre-season series sessions. This is a conversation between myself and Abby Sakande on the importance of being listened to. Now, the perspective Abby's taking in this is from his personal life, but we do speak about the importance of it within a cricket environment and we look at his experience with Sussex to that end. But I think, and of course I would think this, that what we're talking about is so important because we're often caught up with saying to people that they need to speak if they're struggling, they need to talk about their problems. But that, of course, relies on someone being there to listen. And that's a skill that we can all work on and something that I've found to be a really important thing the more that I've thought about it. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's take it from here. Well, welcome along, uh, Abby. And the first thing I'll say is, this is going to be quite a different approach because usually we fly into these things with guests and go straight to the cricket and set that context. And we will, I suppose, get to that in some ways. But this evening, we're really talking about listening. And I've just uh, had a little bit of a monologue there and after saying hello. So I'll perhaps say hello again and I welcome you. Hi, no, nice to, uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, it's interesting to put this together considering the conversations we've had uh, previously about this. So I think we'll dive straight in. And when we think about listening and, and the importance of someone being there and truly listening to what we're saying, what's been your path to this? Why has that been such a transformative and helpful experience for you? So for me, the last year, um, I've been through a lot of changes. Um, it's not, it's not been easy. It's not been easy for a lot of people, but for me specifically, um, yeah, I, my mum was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. Um, and we thought she'd got the treatment to be given the all, all clear coming up to kind of September, 2019. And then around Christmas time found out that it had come back. We weren't too worried. Um, at the time I was in New Zealand, um, and, you know, had thoughts about coming back early. Um, and we felt the, the operation was scheduled for March. Um, so it did come back um, a few weeks early um, in order to be there for the operation. Um, as things turned out, it didn't uh, go to plan and there were, this cancer had spread too much and there was nothing um, that could be done. Um, and so at that time, the, you know, Macmillan and um, the nurses offered their uh, counselling service, which for me was, uh, I wasn't really sure uh, I wasn't really sure about it. I was like, oh, maybe I don't need it. Um, but you know, it, the, the, the option was on the table. So a few, a few weeks later, um, obviously that was a few weeks later, lockdown kicks in. Um, and we're all suddenly spending, my sister comes back home. Um, so it's kind of me, my sister, um, my mum, and her husband. And, you know, we were all spending a lot of time quite intensely trying to deal with this massive idea that my mum's only got a few months left to live. Um, and we're all, going to be spending this time somehow locked down it was stressful it was difficult in so many different ways um I was really glad to have my sister there for me to try and understand our our sharing our experiences but also how we were kind of maybe seeing situations differently um and and having that question every day of am I doing this right 
which is a really difficult question to to answer because when you know in a sense that there's a clock ticking and you're doing your best every day to come in with a smile on face and you know make sure that the atmosphere is as cheery as it can be but really you know that there's everyone's a little bit holding on for everyone else's sake it's it's really difficult to not to do um and as much as we thought we were kind of coping all right the first conversation with the counselor opened me up and I've been reflecting since then on how it's really changed my understanding of what it means to be able to be listened to um and so so essentially that what I felt was that the the counselor's questions for me coming from that position of purely having somebody there who just is open and will just take the time just to listen and hear whatever it is that you want to bring um, was completely new. Um, I didn't even realize that it was new, um, that you realize all the relationships with your friends and your family and all of those things. People obviously are there for you, but they've also got their own side of the the the, the exchange to bring. Uh, and you want to sometimes protect them. And you, so there's a lot of kind of baggage that floats around, which you don't even acknowledge, which can sometimes get in the way of freely being able to express yourself. Um, and just to have someone ask the question of, what do you want to talk about? Um, I, you know, I was, I was even surprised. I was like, it's, it's another question that you get asked very often, you know, it could be maybe years since somebody uh, might've asked you like, what do you want to talk about? Um, and the other side of the listening factor was not just what they listened to, but also the, what they, they listened to what I wasn't saying. So the question about, you know, how was I feeling or how did I feel I was coping? Um, sometimes I would answer that with my, the kind of the normal voice in my head, which is kind of the rational voice that says, you might be feeling sad, but you're going to project to the world that you're calm and that you're happy and that you're fine because you don't want everyone to, you know, you don't want pity. You don't want people to treat you a certain way. You don't want to put your burdens on anyone else. Nevertheless, it was realizing that actually it's okay to just feel sad and you can acknowledge that and actually not have to push that away or trying to rationalize it in some, some way. Um, and, and, and that for me, again, was a massive, was a massive shift to, yeah, to really start to start this journey, being able to reevaluate. Um, and just on that, the, the, the other part, the other side of that, that listening journey is that since, since then, um, you know, I, I had a I had a kind of set of um, counselling sessions, and then you know um, opted to, to pause those for the time being. Um, since then, my mum passed away in October, um, and so it's been five months now. Um, and you know, life is completely different. Um, and you know, grief and dealing with grief is a is a very different process to to how I was a year ago. Um, but I was talking to one of my friends who's a, a GP and he's just done a psychiatry, um, uh, rotation, um, where he spends, you know, two months or three months, I can't remember how long, um, dealing with people with phone calls. And he, he was saying a lot of the time he was calling people and, and, you know, one of the kind of questions you would ask is, do you have anyone to talk to? Um, and so often he was finding that the people calling didn't have anyone to talk to. They didn't, they couldn't talk to their husband, their wife or their family or their friends or, uh, and it was all because of the same things that we're saying, you're trying to protect somebody else um, or, or you're not quite sure how somebody else is going to react. And, and I think there's a big gap in a lot of people. It's easy to ask, do you have someone to talk to? But if there's nobody who's there 
who you feel has the skills to listen to you, where, where are you going to turn? Um, so I feel like there's a lot to be gained and learned from, and, and I felt this very much as, as well as trying, when trying to talk to friends, particularly people my age who won't have gone through the kind of experience I was going through. Um, that they really were nervous and they thought they were going to get it wrong when they didn't quite know how to, how to kind of be there um, and, um, and, and learn how to listen. Um, so it's been a, yeah, it's reflected on it in a lot of different ways, but, um, but I've been coming back around more and more to thinking that listening and learning how to listen um, is huge in terms of like understanding ourselves, understanding our relationship with other people and, and knowing how to support one another really. So it sounds like the experience of someone really listening not only had its benefits during that interaction, but then has seeped into the other areas of your life and made you made you think differently. Within the context of those those sessions and the and the immediate aftermath of them, what was it about someone and their willingness to to listen to whatever you wanted to speak about that started to help to an extent? Um, I think part of it was the time that was afforded to the conversation. Um, so, cause I, you know, I think lots of people have this, you have standard ways of explaining your, your, your own story in your head about your life, which you, which you'll just repeat out. You'll trot them out to, to people who ask you about, you know, what's going on. Um, and it takes a bit of time to kind of dig through those layers to try and understand what's actually underneath. Um, and for me, it took, yeah, once once I'd, you know, gone through all of that that level of, you know, um, normal normal kind of conversation, the the kind of the question was still there about, you know, for example, how how I was feeling underneath. And I think, like I said, it took that time to strip away those those justifying kind of layers that I had, which I think a lot of people have where they say, well, I'm happy or relatively happy in my life. I'm healthy. Uh, you know, I'm well-fed. I'm not uh, ill or injured or, you know, all I've got friends, you know, I've got people around me. So I've got all of these things. So surely I shouldn't be feeling bad or I shouldn't be feeling this way or I should somehow. So you kind of deny your own feelings or you're, you're kind of justifying um, you know, how you're responding, whether it's like pushing it away or ignoring the, the negative emotions. Um, and, and yeah, and it took a lot of time to, to dig through those. And then once I kind of dug, dug through those and started actually recognizing that, you know what, the fact that, you know, someone, you know, had, had, you know, or like my mom had made a kind of, kind of hurtful comment to me at, at the table. I knew that, you know, she was, miserable and feeling upset and uh and you know she she was in pain and um and just didn't have energy for the conversation at that time so whatever the story i was telling when she kind of cut me off you know that hurt at that time but nevertheless i kind of you know i did that like thought process and dismissed it and then it was talking to the counselor like later on that week where i mentioned that conversation and he was like that sounded like it you know that sounded like it really upset you, you know your mom who reasonably you are keen to 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 her to validate you your your ideas and to and you know generally to support you she cut you off and she said you know don't have time for this conversation and 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 that really hurt your feelings and I was like actually 
yeah, it really did. And it really like kind of kind of came back in a completely way that I hadn't anticipated in terms of my emotional response. I was like, oh, this actually it it, it meant so much to me that for such for what seemed at the time a small interaction, I, did, I kind of hadn't realized that there was a and it wasn't necessarily the interaction, but it was what was behind it that I, I felt was was bringing up my my emotion. And and I'd never really, I probably never really sat there and thought to myself, how important is it to you, you know, that you, your mum, you know, validates validates you when you come up with an idea, because it's not the type of thought you kind of have on a day to day basis. And it was only really through that process of being of being heard and 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 having my emotions and and that feeling of hurt just be validated and told that you know yeah that's really understandable you know that that was painful and, and difficult um and that <laughs> that that allowed me some kind of almost release to to yeah to feel upset and miserable and you know cry and um and 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 then feel yeah like like I'd been heard or um and and to allow myself to, to to feel those emotions and not to push them away so much, kind of going forwards. Mm. And what what comes out from from what you're saying, as well as other things which I've, I've I've considered in this field, is how there can be that really strong temptation to suppress or push away certain emotions or feelings because we might want to have, for example, a positive mindset and a and a go getting attitude and these things can get in the way of it, but that suppression, it, it can keep things buried so deep that when they do come out, it can be even more difficult to, to deal with. But it, it sounds like this process has given you so much to think about and also those tools to help navigate through what must be a very difficult time. What would you say were the, le- the lessons that you would most want to share with others those close to you or a wider audience um i think i was definitely aware that the process of being listened to completely opened my eyes to what was going on with much deeper level with with my family members um and because i was realizing i was like actually who's listening to them, you know, like my mum is sharing, you know, with, with the rest of us, but she's probably protecting herself and not sharing everything, you know, because we're her kids, um, you know, same, same with her husband, um, you know, like we, so you start looking around at everyone in, in your life and you're realising that actually, yeah, it's, we're all doing such a, a job of, uh, of trying to put on a kind of good face for everyone else. Um, that sometimes, we're we're missing the the part where we actually um you know your closest family and your friends and people who are around you are there because you should be able to be vulnerable with them you should be able to be angry or be frustrated or be upset and not be worried that it's going to you know damage your your relationship because that's what you know kind of like loving someone or you know really really caring for someone deeply so it is about you're not you're you're able to 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 share um and so for for me for you know uh, looking at uh, how how i then could go about um trying to uh talk to talk to my family talk to friends um i was, I was just continuously being made more aware 
that they might need somebody to listen to them at some point and trying to you know do a little bit of what the counselor was doing was to read in between the lines of when someone's trying to say something to you if you're only thinking about your own response and your own narrative in your head or you're busy thinking i want to win this argument which is typically like me and my sister or um or or you've heard that line of argument before and you're and you're jumping down a conclusion um your your brain is so patterned to go repeat 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 um that you stop actually paying attention to the interaction that's happening right in front of you um and particularly um if you get any kind of cues that somebody's you know just not 100% um or even when you ask a question of like how are you and you see them maybe like hesitate in terms of how they respond you don't necessarily have to like pry at that instant and try and, and try and dig out from them what's going on but that might be a signal to you that hey look at some point you can use you can use your words in order to help them feel comfortable to be able to um to be able to share what's on their mind um you know you you, you don't you don't have to drag things out of people but you know it's if, if as long as you're aware and you're paying attention and and i think one of the things that helped me most especially around you know the time of my mum's death was um which is a really difficult time for for friends particularly to know what to say and to know how to how to how to respond um was just a few of them particularly the closer ones just to reaching out and just saying look when you feel ready or able to talk to me um i'm there like whenever you know um if it's like the middle of the night or whatever um you know you can just call me and i'll pick up the phone and you know my friends like said that to me and you know i was kind of laughing i was like you're not really serious like if it's 1am and he, and he was like no no if it's 1am and you need to talk to me just pick up the phone and talk to me and it's it's the type of thing which you're probably never going to take someone up on that you know like but have it knowing that that offer is there can offer can make somebody feel so much better supported um they can be really powerful and i think we don't um you know if if people start letting each other know that they're there for them and not being too worried about whatever external stuff is going on um that can be really really make a huge difference for somebody to to just you know to to not feel alone or not feel like everything is the whole world is on them and they don't know how to know how to manage it. And it's all, they have to spin everything around in their heads to figure it out because it's their own battle. And it's only them. Like people are there to support you. Um, and that, and even knowing that really can take away some of the tension or the stress that can come alongside having, having a difficult time in your life or just going through a tough period. Mm. That intent is, is really important, isn't it? Sometimes it might not be, perfect choice of words that the message is shared by but someone really genuinely saying i'm there i i, I will help you and i've just to think of my my own experience here which you've reminded me of is i remember having a a really difficult time a number of years ago and a friend of mine said to me similar to, to you there any time that you need something and the way he expressed it he, he gave these examples saying if you're in this situation then I will come up there and he lives in the Midlands where I'm from originally I live in Liverpool he said I will come up there and I will do whatever you need me to and it was looking back in, in quite an, an extreme set of things that he was he was saying but I got from him that that was completely genuine and just that little bit there made me think 
I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to need that. But knowing that's there, and some I still think back to that and that particular person. I think if ever I felt completely alone and I didn't have anyone that I felt I could speak to, then I could speak to him. And the power that can have is is enormous. And that was just simply that intent. And the way he phrased it may not have been classic. It might not have been what someone professionally would want to do, but that, that made such a, a big difference to me. So I, I, I really hear that bit. When we think about this, this idea in society about, yes, we do need people to talk. Um, and this is an ongoing challenge to get people to, to open up and, and find that. But of course we need a, we need a listener as well. And, and, and that's the bit that perhaps is overlooked as it, as we go along from other areas of your, of your life, but cricket included or could be anything else. What's your reflections on the role that, that listening does play how attuned to it are we generally or have we got as a as a group of people as a society a lot to learn yeah no um so i just wanted to quickly add to your story that there's that the intent is that shows the difference between so many people will say oh anytime you need me or whatever and i'm there and it's just become something that rolls off the tongue but if there's no intent behind it it's really but when somebody says no no i'm not joking anytime you need me i will be there that is you know that that's what makes makes all the difference um but yeah no in terms of other areas of my life i was thinking about how actually so many roles um you know even going back to from school having a teacher who listens to you um versus somebody you know who doesn't like you know in terms kids respond to that you know adults respond to that we all do and for me like um the coaches in my life who have been uh in terms of cricket um, who have been more influential were the ones who kind of looked through just not what was what was the outcome in terms of the the the, the pitch and and because that probably limits you to or uh, like a technical solution you know they say oh well this isn't going right this isn't going well you know maybe try this or try that which is all well and good um, but the coaches who like took a bit of time to understand how my mind worked um and there's normally there's maybe one maybe two or whatever um but you know i specifically you know worked a lot with um johnny lou uh, back in the day when he was at sussex and he um i think he understands better than most um probably than anyone like how i how <laughs> how the, the patterns that were my because we've talked so many times when i've been bowling about what's going through my head and all of these things um but i was just thinking like how a coach's ability to actually listen to their player is fundamental to being able to actually guide them in any direction um, because so much of the game is happening up in your head. Um, your your beliefs, your expectations, you know, um, for me, massively, uh, I was reading back through some of my um, under-15s notes, uh, believe it or not, uh, and I was looking at it and I was noticing how I was playing school first 11 as a kind of, uh, you know, year 10, 15 year old student. And I was hypercritical of my own bowling. I was like, you know, took three for 25, but really disappointed that I didn't bowl as well as I could at the tail enders. I was like, wow, I was 15. Why was I so like, uh, you know, I mean, in a way I was, you know, keen to obviously improve and do better, but I felt there was a little bit of a gap in terms of, I wasn't able to accept like the fact that I had done well and done the job for the team. Like I didn't have much perspective. Everything was just about if only I could have, I was disappointed with the whole thing because I hadn't got two or three balls. Right. Whereas 
you know, it said goal today, don't bowl any wides or no balls or something like that. And I'm like, these are like my, I didn't have much perspective there. Um, and, but then kind of as you, as you grow older, knowing that I've got that, um, hyper kind of high standards mindset and actually knowing how that can disadvantage me um and and sometimes that can take me off you know my my a game where i'm actually bowling perfectly well i'm doing a good job for the team i'm, I'm in the middle of a uh you know a decent spell but in my head i'm so like oh i'm i'm i could be doing better i should be doing i should be bowling it you know foot fuller i should be bowling it you know he's not fourth stump but off stump you know and suddenly I'm beating myself up and then I throw myself out of my own rhythm, you know, start bowling bad balls. And then the whole team starts to suffer. And I, and I, and I noticed this because you would look at somebody else and you would never, you would never see, you can't see read what's going on in their minds. You know, if I look at another bowler, I just want them to bowl a good over for the team, put the ball in the right place, bowl a maiden, hopefully fingers crossed, or if they don't bowl a maiden, don't go for too many runs, you know, keep, keep us in the game. Um, I'm not worried about whether they bowled it a foot fuller or a foot shorter. Like if they bowled a great ball, then that's great. But it doesn't have, you know, there's there's a level of realism you apply to other people that sometimes I didn't apply to myself. And having a coach who can listen, understand what uh, that process is going on in your head and give you little guidelines and directions and tips to say, okay, when you notice that thought next time, can you see it? Think about, uh, observe whether it's a helpful thought or not a helpful thought, and then just put it on one side. And then, you know, go back to what you're trying to do. You know, think about the the, the what, your, what your next ball is going to be, what your process is, that kind of thing. Um, and until I had a coach who took the time to understand my my way of seeing things, they no one, no one could have given me that advice if they hadn't taken that time. So I feel like it's a huge, um, and until you've listened to someone, it's very, very difficult to be able to come out with useful advice because you're, you're not really seeing where they're coming from. You're not really understanding what their processes are. Yeah, it can be kind of off the peg advice, can't it? Or something that you would say in this case to any bowler that was having anxiety about the way they were performing rather than actually listening to, in, in this case, yourself and, and, and what works there. And we discussed earlier about the fine line and the balance to be found between having listened to someone, whether we are offering advice, whether it's appropriate to the conversation or whether it's our role just to simply listen and perhaps reflect back to them what they've been saying and, and give them that space to do it so that's always worth considering with that my final question or, or, or point to throw at you is is regarding that and what would you say in terms of the experience from from cricket is in term in in relation to that in in terms of where that that balance is do we find that even though we're a team sport we we do provide that that support or is it something which it can be very heavily individualized and of course we're, we're talking about just you know one person's experience rather than the whole world game but mm. it's useful to see that insight from personal perspectives no definitely um it's <laughs> I think there's again, having gone through everything that I've kind of been through in the last year, um, it pointed out to me even more clearly how it can be really. Uh, some people won't recognise when somebody is trying to kind of indicate that they kind of are needing to be listened to. You know, something's upset someone, something someone's clearly whatever it is, right? They, they, you, you can 
once having been through this process of having been listened to and knowing that there was all of this stuff that was piling up in my brain uh, and then having someone who I could actually share it with and then who could just take the time to understand um, and then and then just you know going through that process and then kind of how I have felt and have been able to kind of manage and cope better um, having been through that process you can now yeah I can now spot very much that in dressing rooms some people there's always some people in the team who are much more kind of they've got maybe higher whatever it is eq emotional intelligence um and then they can spot that somebody's reacting in a way or that they need then they need that kind of space but they may not have that personal relationship to that person to, to make maybe make themselves the available or you know but um but it's kind of trying to uh trying to identify um that yeah when when there are issues going on and everyone has issues going on in their lives um and it, yeah it's everyone has to judge when somebody's trying to avoid something or when someone's trying to share something um but if we want our dressing room to be a, a place where people feel kind of comfortable and able you know to bring bring their whole selves um everyone everyone will there's things that are certainly like safe to bring up so for example you know you rock up at a club cricket on a saturday and you're like oh i'm a bit tired you know maybe i stayed out too late the night before maybe you know the kids grew up maybe you know just have had a really stressful week at work like all of these things people bring that and they're happy to share them you know when they come to the dressing room because we all know that yeah we can kind of sympathize and empathize and we're still going to take, that's not going to affect our energy when we get onto the pitch. We're going to take that and say, yeah, that's where we're at. But nevertheless, when we got onto the pitch, we still, do you know what I mean? So there's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with being able to kind of share and say that this is where my mental space is at right now. And actually letting your teammates know that that's where you're at is, is really helpful because you can then, you know, give them the appropriate kind of response. You can like nudge them or give them a shove or, you know, put your arm around their shoulder and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. That sounded like it was difficult. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give them the kind of uh, support. Um, and the fact we spend so long, so much time with our teammates in cricket, um, especially thinking about the professional game. I'm just thinking that how many of your, you know, your teammates do you, take the time to get to know really well um and it's always difficult because professional sport puts the extra level of pressure and com competitive edge whereby you know that people are fighting for places in the team and there's careers on the line and all of that but i'm like fundamentally you know you <laughs> cricket is, is is a part of life and you 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 do get to choose kind of who you who you want to be or who you are as a person and if you want to be that type of person in the dressing room who 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 supports others and who, and, you know, and who allows, who allows others to turn up with their full expression of who they are and bring that into a game. You can create that environment. You can create that culture in a team, you know, by paying attention and by trying, trying to, you know, create spaces to, to share and to listen and, um, and, you know, especially to spot when, for example, there's, you know, some, somebody's, winding someone else up or shutting somebody else down or, or about, about a topic which they aren't comfortable with, you know, um, that, that, that kind of thing. If you, if, if you, if you spot that and say, all right, okay, well, that's somebody's not happy with that, then you can, you can do something about that. Um, so yeah, so there's lots of roles within the world of cricket. I think that, um, that once we've learned how to kind of like listen to one another, we start to spot, the opportunities and the times and the spaces um, and how that can actually create to, uh, towards building a team that is really 
everyone you know feels absolutely comfortable that I'm going to go there and I'm going to give a hundred percent effort and I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to have to worry about the other things that are going on in my life um, because when we're out on the pitch, you know, you can focus on what's going on, on the pitch. Um, but if you know that you're going to not be listened to and you're going to carry all of these things with you all of the time, then of course it's going to affect, you know, how pro- probably it's going to affect, you know, how, how comfortable, how secure, how stable you feel, how, how able you are to cope with different scenarios of pressure when it comes onto the pitch, you know, you, you everyone can see, um, somebody who's like incredibly tense before they walk out on the pitch, you know, and they go out and try and try and bat and they try and slog it a few and miss it and get out and they walk back off and they're still incredibly tense. And you're like, well, I probably could have seen that happening from, <laughs> from a mile off. Um, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's learning how to have a language whereby you can help people share and then that will give people the freedom to play and to express themselves, which is ultimately what we all want to get out of the game, I think. Absolutely right, yeah. And this is the classic that cricket provides us with the opportunities to practice things other than just the bat and the ball. The interactions we have can then develop across the rest of our lives, whether it's playing for recreation, for fun, or whether it is for a living. So, yeah, Abby, I've really enjoyed this. I think it's such a a, a fascinating topic, and it's one which is overlooked because we technically listen all day every day but as people have um have tuned into this they might reflect a little bit on do we really listen and that's something i've learned over these um these last few months while i've been uh, starting off my training in, in counseling that actually i'm not a great listener a lot of the time and it's something that i do need to practice and that's fine because anything that's worth doing you need to practice you need to refine but you get so many benefits out of that. And I think your honesty has, has really helped with that. So thank you very much. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. No worries. Cheers. I appreciate it. Thanks.